You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Actually, it's the it's the lead play in our in our offense. Yes, our YN or a tight end to open up somewhere between six feet and nine feet to get an isolation with the with the linebacker. Tell the tackle What's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. I'm joined alongside the great Jake Shavink from the It's Always Draft Season podcast here on the uh, Packernet Podcast Network. Obviously got an awesome YouTube channel as well. Jake, where can they find your YouTube channel? Right off the cuff. I want to get these guys turned on to what you're doing. Um, it's, uh, it's Jake Shavink NFL. It's a little hard to spell. Um, <laughs> might have to – I can send you the link via, like, Twitter messaging if you want to, to cool. do that or something. Yeah, good deal. Uh, I'd, I'd it's like a tough to one to find with the last name being so difficult to spell. Uh, it's <laughs> something it. I've dealt with my entire life, so it's you know it's what it is. But, uh, <laughs> gotcha. I guarantee if you search Jake NFL Draft, it probably prop up too. But uh, anyway, we'll uh, we'll get you guys that link for sure. He is the draft authority here at Packernet Podcast, no doubt about it. I know we've got a ton of people in here in the chat already. We're just going to kind of hang out. We got a couple of ch- uh, coaching changes within the Green Bay Packers. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit of uh, Senior Bowl recap, which obviously Jake was down there for the practices. We got to watch the game today. Um, as me and Jake were talking about, a little bit uneventful, but at the same time, got a lot of info out of that week altogether, right? So uh, oh, it'll yeah. be it'll be a lot of fun to dive into that as well. I know we got Blake in the house. Blake says, I've got some vintage Monday night football on tonight. Ooh, Packers man. at the Bears, 1995. Dame, Dave Wonstead is Chicago's coach. You love it, man. You love to see nice. that. So nice. uh, it's cool. A little bit of ties there, right, as we got a new uh, – a new defensive coordinator in Jeff Halfley. And uh, obviously he coached under Dave Wanstead years later at Pitt, if I remember correctly. So okay. a couple, couple little connections there anyway. Nice. So, uh, yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's just come through the chat one more time here. And then, I, like I said, I want to get your takeaway uh, on everything as we go through the coaching changes, Jake. Um, let's see United Bates. Appreciate it, buddy. Just lifted five Packers, Packer fan total access memberships. So we got five new members of the PTA posse. Congratulations, gang. Um, looks like Donald got one. That's awesome. Donald's always in. Go. Yeah, so good stuff. Good go. stuff. And it looks like United Bates actually pulled that information up. There is the YouTube channel. So hop off this uh, this show right now. Go over there and make sure you are subscribed. And if you've got a uh, a better computer than my 87 Apple, then you could probably just open up another window and do that too. So there you go. Yeah. Right? There you go. Um, United right. Bates, the legend. Always, always. Uh... Always putting in work during Always the, a blessing, man. During the streams. It's good stuff. So we had a couple coaching changes today. Um, actually, three coaching changes. We have one hire and a couple couple guys let go. This one really didn't surprise me, Jake, uh, with how you know the, the defensive line has kind of struggled with consistency. You know, you it seems like the edges are producing quite a bit of pressure. The interior the defensive line is creating pressure too, but obviously the uh the run defense has been less than stellar there. 
um, not grading out too well, according to PFF as well. But Matt Schneiden tweeted out sources. Packers defensive line coach and run game coordinator Jerry Montgomery is not returning next season on Jeff Halfley's staff. Montgomery has been with Green Bay since 2015. Wow. And already has multiple opportunities to coach elsewhere. I'm sure he will have no problem finding work. Jake, what's your initial reaction to that as far as uh, Jerry Montgomery? I mean, he's been around for, for quite some time now, right? Yeah, it's – I think you brought up the right word, consistency. I think that was – honestly just a struggle with you know some of these young guys who obviously you know you, you're hoping to see development in certain areas you know Devon I think Devontae White's probably the most recent example right of a player that we knew was a really really good pass rusher right he was coming and being that player he's he even elevated that really this year but you see some of the struggles against the run and and Montgomery being the run game coordinator it just felt like a lot of the execution there was lacking and and so yeah, I, I think it makes sense, but yeah, hopefully he hopefully he can line some some work up elsewhere and uh, and get back to the coaching uh, circle. But it, it felt like it was time. Yeah, I agree. And you know, w- one other thing that's kind of happened to um, through this whole interviewing process, you know, we've brought in a lot of candidates that I think everyone would agree we would be really surprised that they had got the DC job, which. Surprise! We got Jeff Halfley. I don't think anybody's seen that one coming. Well, the only time will tell if it's a if it's a good hire. Um, obviously, very bright young man in the game. But um, you know, you bring in some of these other guys like Adam Dirty, and um, you also had uh, uh, you know Christian Parker. And and I'm kind of wondering as they start to clean house, what if if one of those guys that you you actually had in to interview for the DC job, if they impress so much, maybe you can still give them a promotion from their current position where they're at and bring them on staff, right? Like, you know, I mean, let's say that you do have to go with a new passing game coordinator, right? And uh, let's say, obviously, you need a new run D coordinator. I don't know what Adam Dirty's official title is, if he got promoted or not, since, you know, Dan Campbell obviously exited uh, for Washington. It'd be kind of cool to bring someone like that in, too. You know, maybe maybe they were eyeing people like that, you know, at a distance, kind of like, hey, yeah, let's put this staff together. And obviously, Jeff Halfley, going to want to bring as many of his guys as possible. But I don't see Packer fans kind of, you know, standing on the uh, standing on the bench uh, screaming for any of his assistants at BC, right? We we don't look at that coaching staff and go, wow, there's a stud, right? Or am I wrong there, Jake? Yeah, probably not. I think, you know, Clayton, you obviously, you obviously brought up a lot of the numbers from what was, you know, what had happened at, at, at BC the last couple seasons. Obviously not favorable results, but I do think like personnel wise, it's it's a little bit of a struggle, right? From the college game to getting guys there. Right. And, and obviously having a COVID year with a lot of them and when he kind of took over. And so there was a lot of you know work to do in that regard. So it hasn't been the easiest development track there. But I do think, you know, Halfley probably has connections around the league, right? Having been, you know, a, a DB's coach for a long time there that he might be able to find some guys uh, to bring in that way. Yeah, I, d- I don't imagine we'll see it. I know there's there's talk about you know Ohio State. There, he's got some connections there that he could bring on uh, to the staff. But yeah, I, I imagine it'll be you know from there or maybe as we mentioned, probably from NFL circles in some in some uh, capacity. Yeah, that's that's actually what me and Ryan Schlipp were talking about through text message earlier. You know, I kind of mentioned, man, I'd like to see him go after like a D a D line coach for one of these uh, of, of the top defenses in the NFL, right across the league. Like, you know, maybe you could pluck someone still from Baltimore, maybe San Francisco, or maybe even uh, you know, um, 
Kansas City, although those teams didn't have great run defenses when you're specifically talking about someone to bring in as a D-line or a, uh, a, a run coordinator, defensive run coordinator, um, might want to kind of dip into some of these teams that, that obviously have played the run a little bit better. And if we were to pull that up and we just go opponent yards per rush attempt, Right off the bat, the top five teams that allowed the least amount of rushing yards per attempt was New England, Houston, Minnesota, Chicago, Tennessee. Tampa, I think, was the sixth best, uh, fifth best scoring, no, fourth best scoring uh, defense in points per play. They were fifth in points per game. That might be somewhere that you want to kind of comb through the coaching ranks there. And another one, too, that really stands out to me here, Jake, is the New York Jets because obviously – the last time that Jeff Halfley was in the league, he coached under Robert Sala uh, there in San Francisco. You'd like to think that the closest thing we'll probably see to Jeff Halfley's defense uh, that we may have already seen, I should say, probably going to be the Jets because, uh, you know, there's been a couple interviews I've watched with Halfley, and he makes it very, very clear. And this is when he was still the coach at BC, so it wasn't like he was, you know, provoked to talk about these things because he was the new D.C. in Green Bay. Obviously, this was far, you know, long before that happened, that hire happened. But he mentions just how different the pro game is from the college game. So kind of got me thinking, maybe look to the New York Jets a bit if he does go try to find some of those old connections, you know, across the league with maybe some guys that he might be familiar with there. And I'm sure Robert Sala wouldn't want to hear that. But, hey, that's the that's the name of the game in the league, right? Yeah, it is. It's, uh, guys get poached for, you know, promotions. That's that's how it goes. And that's, yeah. And, and yeah, and that's, it's the tough part about, you know, being a head coach is, you know, you have to, if you're doing well enough and you're, you know, you have units performing really well, it's like, okay, well now we're going to have to reload a bit. Right? right. We always think about player, you know, reloading. We don't think about, you know, coach reloading very much. Right. Obviously Baltimore is going to have to do that in a, in a major capacity this off season too. So yeah, if, if Halfley gets, goes with the connection to Sala and then finds some guys in New York who, you know, probably doing a pretty good job and you know brings them in i yeah i, I think that's a, a really nice place to look yeah i agree um new england's fascinating to me because you know obviously belichick was the glue to that defense for the last what felt like 100 years but the fact that they had such a stout run defense in houston too you know and it get, kind of gives you hope because D'Amico ryan's first of all let's let's kind of trace it back right robert sala was in San Francisco before he took the New York Jets job. D'Amico Ryans takes over as D.C. I don't know if it was immediately after that, but it was, you know, it, it may have been immediately after that. It might have been, you know, a year or two in between. But D'Amico Ryans takes over that defense there in San Francisco. You would imagine that Houston's defense is somewhat similar to Robert Sala's approach and Houston having the second best rushing defense as far as yards per carry allowed. That might be somewhere you want to kind of, reaching there. I, I imagine D'Amico probably took some with him from San Francisco as well. So probably uh, got some choices there as well. I just, yeah. I hope we don't hear BC, BC, BC. That's my yeah. only worry. A great so. note on Houston is like, like you mentioned, they're really good against the run this year. This is a team that for the last, you know, the last three years, bottom of the barrel run defense in the league. It was almost, you know, you, you think about like, Oh, Houston's playing the Titans this week. Well, Derrick Henry, 200, like that was always like the thing that was the, the case with them. And, and, you know, to to go from to go that quickly to be like, oh, this is, you know, a cupcake team to rush against. Right. They just give it up in bunches to we're one of the best in the league. That's that's a that's a big jump. I mean, yeah, hard not to notice down there what's going on. So 
and one thing too that's common practice, especially this time of year when coaching hires take place. Obviously, you've seen we lost Luke Getzey to Chicago with the year before we lost uh God Nathaniel Hackett to Denver. So, you know, sometimes you see obviously with Chicago and you've seen it with Minnesota with several defensive coaches a few years ago, you like to kind of poach from within within the division. It is worth noting too that Minnesota had the third best rush defense and Chicago had the fourth best. So who knows? Detroit's sitting in the eighth spot. So, you know, when you pluck from those teams, you get a little bit of intel brung along with it. Obviously, it goes without saying, but uh, but also you're kind of making that organization a little bit weak, too. But again, it's got to be a promotion. Can't be a lateral move. We can get blocked, right. all that good stuff. So probably not even worth talking about. But here we are. Um, anytime a coaching change happens, I don't know. I'm fascinated by this time of year. The coaching carousel. College football is too complex for me to keep up with, Jake, with the coaching changes. Yeah. I, I'm just lost because there's so many teams. But the NFL, man, it's like. I wait for that Ian Rappaport notification to see that the the custodian at this team is now taking a job right. here to, you know, whatever. It's just uh, oh, yeah. I love it. It's, it's wild. Time. It feels like we're in the we're at the point where it's every day. Like yes. every day, it was like I don't, it was yesterday. I think it was like Liam Cohen, Tampa Bay, OC. Like there it is. It's just like yep. there's so much going on. Alex Van Pelt, right? Yeah, remember correctly. Yeah, that's another so, one. Yeah, yeah. I actually uh, I like that hire. Um, there's another hire too that I like that I think I'm in the minority with Arthur Smith to Pittsburgh. I kind of like, although, you know, I know that Najee doesn't really fit that whole wide zone set up there, but yeah, I think Arthur Smith, will, but, yeah, it's kind of quite the opposite, right? <laughs> but right. I do like him as a coach. I think he was a, a good coordinator and I think he, he is a bright mind. It just seems like in Atlanta, that organization, it's in the front office is where the problem is. It's, it just seems like Arthur Blank has kind of got himself surrounded by a bunch of yes men. And uh, anytime you turn down, you know, the greatest coach in history and you just kind of chalk it up to, yeah, this this isn't the right move, but you kept the majority of your front office on hand. That's just kind of a weird look, you know. But It's going to be interesting in, in Atlanta this year for sure. We'll see how it unfolds. But we had another move here. Rob Domofsky tweeted out, Packers defensive quality control coach. Justin Hood is joining the Falcons as secondary coach. He's reunited with Jerry Gray in Atlanta. So you can see, I imagine quality control is lower than secondary coach. So that is technically a promotion. It wasn't a lateral move. So now we're going to be looking to fill our defensive quality control coach, which that kind of leads you to believe it's going to be a bottom of the barrel type guy, an entry level type guy. And I imagine that Matt LaFleur's probably got someone in mind, or maybe, maybe that's someone that you bring in from a BC, right? One of those lower quality control type positions where you can, you know, go to Jeff, uh, Jeff Halfley and say, Hey, look, pick, pick your, your go-to guy on the defensive side of the ball with that staff. Right. And that could be the quality control coach. Yeah. I would be okay with that. Yeah. That seems, that seems fine. Yeah. That I've heard, as soon as I, I started reading that, I'm like, wait a minute, somebody he's joining somebody and it's yeah, Jerry, I forgot Jerry Gray yeah. uh, is down there as well. So yeah, yeah so much, so much going on. So yeah, much. for sure. You know, we were talking about the run defense. Let's do this real quick too. I've got explosives here. Let's just take okay. a quick glance on the far left side are your explosive run plays. Okay. So just to put yeah. that, you know, kind of put things into perspective, Green Bay gave up 47 um, explosive runs. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't the very bottom, but it was definitely in the bottom half of the league. Who are some of the green numbers here when it comes to explosives? Miami, right? Miami, obviously that was uh, our boy, uh, Vic Fangio down there before he joined Philly. Interesting. Um, again, you see new England there controlling the explosives. You got Detroit, so Detroit kind of highlighted Tampa. We talked about them. So, yeah, Detroit might be somewhere to kind of take a peek behind the, the blinds there and say, hey, what do you what do you guys got in there for us for a defensive line? Well, um, yeah. 
they got they got Alan McNeil in there, all 335, 340 of Alan McNeil <laughs> helping you out. And you got and they got good linebackers who play downhill. And I think that's they, they're really good personnel there to handle the run when when McNeil's in. But yeah, that's the Miami one. Honestly, a little mind boggling there. Number yeah. one. Number one. That is wild. Oh, yeah, I would be out of that. I would like to know what Christian Parker. I need to look that up. It's gonna drive me crazy. I need to know what Christian Parker's actual position is right now. Because I know he didn't get a DC job, obviously. I wonder if he got a promotion or anything. Because that's the one that kind of sticks out to me. If you do move forward with a, a new passing game coordinator, that might be the guy right there. That might be the one that you try to bring in. Because he was just a DB coach, right? Am I thinking right? So that would be a promotion. Yes, I think he is just a DB coach, right? Yeah. Not, not just that. Just as the run. No, he's he's a DB <laughs> coach, nice. but he, he he's only a DB, he's a DB coach so that he can he can be yeah promoted to a, a passing game uh, coordinator. Yes, yeah. sorry. No, <laughs> no I he's got tip that. top. He's a any you're coaching the NFL. They're not just anything. There's you know you, you've you've kind of made it so. Our normal viewers and listeners are going, who is this guy? He's way too nice. He's used to us being so toxic in here. <laughs> I guarantee you they're going, yeah, this guy, he's he's way too professional for this program. Oh, uh, Brady Henderson tweeted out, former Rams, Vikings, and Seahawks quarterback Sean Mannion is ending his nine-year NFL playing career and has accepted a position on the Packers coaching staff, a source tells me. He'll work with quarterbacks and the passing game. I've seen this and I went, Okay, that's one of LaFleur's guys, obviously, from the Rams, that type sure. of thing. And then I immediately went, oh, no, please tell me Tom Clements isn't leaving, right? That's immediately the first thing I thought of. So right. what do you think, yeah, Jake? Is it, am I reading too deep there, man? Oh, yeah, it's getting me going now. I'm like, no, 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 we can't. Can't can't have that. Whatever Tom Clements needs. He needs, you know, he needs a private suite every Sunday. Yeah. I don't care. Give him what he wants. Uh, he's done a phenomenal job, but. Yeah, it's interesting. You the teams that that Manny and play for. You kind of note all of those. You go, oh yeah, like it. If it was recent with Minnesota enough, it's like, oh yeah, O'Connell's there. He came from McVay. Rams are McVay. Seattle, Shane Waldron's a McVay guys. That's that's interesting. It seems like the, the a very obvious connection when you kind of you know think about where Mannion has played. Yeah, I want to get your take on a couple other topics, and we're going to dive into the Senior Bowl recap. All right, first of all. Uh, today I was reading Mark Murphy. Uh, I think it's called uh, was it Mur Murphy Murphy with five or Murphy Murphy on five, whatever it is. Where they okay. ask Murphy takes five, maybe that's it. Okay. Um, they basically ask him five questions. So this one right here came in and it said, "Have you or Brian Gutekunst? These are from fans, by the way, asking Mark Murphy this. Have you or Brian Gutekunst ever considered writing an article about what went on the background leading up to the decision to draft Jordan Love? I would think." that there were some interesting conversations going on and would suspect that not everyone involved were buying into it. I'm happy to see that all the naysayers are eating crow and singing your praises. How does it feel being a genius? Right. Awesome. So that's somebody stroking the ego there. Wow. Right? I think Mark wow. might have actually wrote that one to himself. But. Maybe he's doing, he's doing the meme of, of Barack Obama giving himself the medal right here. That's what he's doing. I think he, I think you're right. I think he asked himself this question. <laughs> so his answer was, you're exactly right. I am a genius. No, he didn't say that. He said, <laughs> I think this may have to wait until Brian retires, Mike. We don't want to give up any trade secrets. I do give Brian and his team tremendous credit for having the courage of his convictions in drafting Jordan Love. They did their research on Jordan and knew that he had excellent potential. Jordan's draft year was in the middle of COVID, so things were very different. I remember Brian letting me know that we were going to trade up to pick Jordan. 
I knew that we had him rated highly and was impressed with the process that Brian and his staff had followed. I know we were criticized for the pick at the time, but Brian felt strongly that it would be a good pick in the long term. There's no doubt about it, man. He absolutely crushed that pick. That would be a really cool kind of story to hear. You know, you hear oh, the whole Aaron Rodgers pick story. If you go, guys go watch the Legacy documentary, and we've shared that video on here, you know, once, um, and just kind of hear how it sounds exactly the same. It's just wild. Like, time is this flat circle. So, yeah. it, you know, back then it was – Ted Thompson asking Bob Harlan, hey, can you step outside for a second? Said, hey, this kid's falling, and if he falls to us, we're going to take him. Like, he's he's that good, you know. And yeah. how he said that, uh, you know, uh, Bob Harlan was like, hey, look, it's your team. You know what you got to do. It sounds like a, such a similar situation, even That's so like Brian that. let him know, look, we're going to trade up and get this guy if he gets to this certain point. It's pretty wild. So, look, all right. All right. Sounds good. Yeah, that, yeah that I would have loved to hear, like, all of the – just kind of like because because obviously you've seen it a little bit on YouTube. There are some like teams that are, you know, posting stuff on YouTube of like inside the draft room and stuff like that. Like I know the Lions have done it the last couple of years. The Jets have done it. I know the Panthers did it when rule was there. So, you know, you get a bit of a mixed bag, but um, it would be really interesting to see what what people had to say in that draft room. If there was anybody who was maybe like a little bit like backing Aaron in the sense of like. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What? There had what are be. you thinking? There had to be. I, I just want to hear somebody thinking like I, I would love to hear, you know, just any sort of pushback and not necessarily that it was it was incorrect, but just like the reasoning for the pushback on the pick, I think would have been, oh yeah. Give me give me that document. I'll pay whatever you want. Just, <laughs> give, give me that. Give give me inside the draft room 2020, please. Gosh, it would be a while. Because I've always heard and I've never seen the video. But I have heard several people talk about how excited they were when they drafted Jordan. So evidently there is a video 
of both Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst like really celebrating that they got Jordan Love because some people immediately spun it like, oh, boy, Aaron's going to be mad when they see that reaction, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, I've never seen the video. You, you haven't seen it either, have you, Jake? I don't think so, no. Yeah, I remember them like fist bumping for Josh Myers. That's the most recent one I can remember, which yeah, you know, not, that's not the best. Yeah. <laughs> not the best fist bump we like there, but I, yeah, I would love to see that one. <laughs> Jordan. Imagine uh, that resurfacing and getting hey can't be perfect, you know. It no. is what it is. No, it's bro. He this last draft, man, and and there'll be plenty of time to talk about it. I know, but you know, as we get into some of this more information, yeah. I mean, it was when it was over too. It wasn't like at the end of the draft, I was like, eh, we'll wait and see. I was like, man, he navigated this board. Oh, like gosh. the Jaden Reed one was the only one that I was like, I don't understand this one. Yeah, Jalen Hyatt. And then lo and behold, Reed comes out and bang. It's like he crushed it. He absolutely crushed it. I, I've I've rarely been as hyped over a Packers selection than I was when they took Tucker Craft. And that was like that was it. I was just like, this is two tight ends. You know, you get a receiver and Reed. Maybe I'm not as high on him. I was a little bit higher on Wicks pre-draft than Reed, but like to get both of them trading back with Reed nets you, I think Brooks and Wicks mm-hmm. were, were those two trades like. Just and, and then to deduce of the last couple of years in the seventh round, I mean, my goodness, we are we are just cooking it. A goody sitting there, you know, everybody else is packing it in on a Saturday afternoon in late April. Goody's like, nah, man, we're gonna pick in the seventh round. I got some guys right here. We we, we got this. This is it's it's uh, it, it's incredible to just kind of see how well they've kind of navigated the last two, really. Yeah, and the way I kind of work the draft too is like I don't I don't get I don't I don't want to say attached. That sounds like condescending. Like I don't I don't get attached to these guys. I don't <laughs> find myself going, I really like that guy, I really like that guy. I just put the yeah. data in, come up with the board, and when we get to the pick, I go, This seems like a great pick. And Van Ness was one that when we did our mocks, we did like I think it's like six different mock drafts, compiled the information, and Van Ness got picked by us in our mocks more than anyone. So it was like yeah. that made sense at the time. The Luke Musgrave one, hands down, was like, that's our guy. Like, the way he said I think he was number 22 yeah. on the board when we took okay. him. So, okay. it was just like, this makes a lot of sense. Tucker, I didn't see so much. I had him yeah. a little lower um, on the board. But, man, yeah. just seeing him. I, hearing, I think it was Jason Wildey and, and Mark Tausch were talking about him yesterday on Wildey and Tausch, talking about just how he's just completely turned it around. Like, that second half of the season was like, the first half of the season, he couldn't sift. He couldn't like yeah. he couldn't do anything, and and maybe they were asking him to do too much. I don't know, but man, it just really clicked on so, like, I, I I think part of that I know we're I know we're not. This wasn't the plan to dive into all this. I feel like it's just like jumping from South Dakota State to the NFL is it's a big jump. I think he yeah. probably would have benefited from jumping from South Dakota State to Alabama first, which was on the table for him, but he yeah. didn't. He stayed there, and so I. Yeah, that's a big learning curve to go like, okay, you know, I can block these guys, right? These, you know, these guys, and not to, you know, disparage the talent in, in you know, the FCS, but it's just right. like, it's different when you're lined up opposite an SEC defensive end every week versus, you know, in the FCS, but it just felt like you needed a little time. And and it took Jordan, you know, a little time as well. And, we, you know, we're, we're seeing results all over the place with these guys, which is great. Rasheed Walker as well, another one. Like, they, yeah. Yeah, Second for, half, for there was just so much clicking, which was which was great to see. Yeah, and the year before Zach Tom, it's just like, yeah, Goody's yeah. he is knocking out. And he, you know, three years ago, rough draft. I believe it was three years ago where you kind of look back at that draft and go, oh, it's yeah. a tough one. Yeah. The last two, pretty solid. Pretty solid. Last draft. two is 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 a, a, what is is 
Gordon Ramsay level stuff, right? You know, it's it's you know we're we're getting to fine dining here these last couple. Oh, it's really good. Absolutely. Stuff. All right, one last thing from Murphy. This cracked me up. I got to drop the banner for this. I don't know if you've seen this or not, but I shared it on Twitter, and it got quite the ruckus going. We were cracking up. Justin M. from Tucson, Arizona says, I'm emailing today to express my disappointment and dissatisfaction with the franchise and its direction under your tenure as CEO, Mark Murphy. I believe it is long, I believe it is long overdue for you to retire and give control of the organization to someone else who is more properly prepared to take the team into the future. Your leadership has been inept. You do not deserve to lead such a storied franchise. Please disappear into retirement ether. Nobody likes you. You have never been a good executive. I wish you the worst in your twilight years. Now, here's what's hilarious. Mark Murphy handpicked this email. Like, he could have just said, I'm just going to throw this. I ain't dealing with this, right? This is, you know, he picked it and this was his response thanks for sharing your opinion justin i also appreciate the 11 other emails you've recently sent with similar suggestions i get your point you'll be pleased to know that i'm required to retire in july 2025 under our bylaws that was it like the fact that he threw in the 11 emails poor justin i don't know where he's at on twitter probably not watching this right now but if you've seen the tweet on twitter i understand why you're staying quiet jay money because uh you're getting roasted right now, my friend. Goodness <laughs> sakes. Man. I wish you nothing, that but that guy's not... nothing but the worst in your twilight years. Like, my Jay, man's my man's is did Aaron send that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mark is that sent Aaron? himself, and Aaron sent that one to Mark. <laughs> I love it. Is God. that is that what happened? Oh man. Cracked me up though, man. Absolutely. A lot of hope, a lot of high profile guys getting into this week's one. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt Mark himself it. and Aaron. Wow. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, I'm telling you, man. I, I read that and I went like this. Am I, did he really? Yeah, especially the last couple sentences. It's like, yeah. all right. Like, I get it. You're upset with how things maybe haven't run, but man, how would you describe do? those things? Go to live that? life, man. Like, <laughs> seriously. Say, touch Go, grass. Yeah. Touch grass. Get outdoors. Like, it's cow. just wild because, like, what he's done with Tottletown has been phenomenal. The organization yeah. itself, I mean, when you look at it, you you took one year to clear a lot of cap, a lot of dead cap. You're kind of coming out of the back end. You got the youngest team in the league. You just got a playoff win, which no one expected that. You've got your quarterback of the future. It's like, how in the world you write that email? Man, that's just that's mind-boggling to me, no doubt. But anyway, let's talk about the future, potential future. All right. So you spent Pretty much the last what three days down there in Mobile, um, watching the practices. Obviously, we watched the the game today. You mentioned, you know, a little bit uneventful, but nonetheless, yeah. still information to gather. What I'd like to do tonight, if it's all right with you, is just position by position, Jake. We'll start with the quarterback position, just to kind of say, okay. And, and if the answer is no, nah, nobody there, it's totally cool. But mm-hmm. I want to know, kind of, what are your notes as far as, um, you know, what was done at the quarterback position? Um, as far as the senior bowl, like uh, what what did you come away with? I guess any any kind of information there. Um, the quarterback was it, it, it's tough because you know the quarterbacks they're working with you know new coaches, you new a line, a new center, new receivers all week long. So it's not exactly like the easiest environment to step into. Uh, it felt like the coaching staff in general on both sides. I don't know if they were telling the QBs this and not like in sevens or elevens. 
to kind of just, you know, be very risk averse, but that's, it, it kind of felt like everybody was playing to not throw interceptions. Mm. I would have loved to see it. Cause I think, especially with Michael Penix, right. Who's there at 37 on the board. I, to me, like from what everyone said, like, this is a smart guy. He knows, he knows coverages. He knows where to go with the football. He's super smart in, in interviews. So to me, listen, Penix, just go out there like it's Rodgers or Mahomes in training camp. Sling the football. Try some stuff. Layer some throws, right? They, there's there's nothing to me like three days. And people are over going to overreact to three days of practice. I've done it before. It happens, right? It's fun. It's football. But like three days of practice, you know, where you're kind of trying stuff, where you're, you know, attacking some some windows, to me isn't going to absolutely sink your draft stock relative to what you've already put on film this year, right? Especially the Texas game where he was just, everything looked slow down for him. So to me, that happened with Penix, with Knicks, you know, Rattler tucked it a lot. Milton was hesitant to throw all week. Uh, it was not a great week at the quarterback position. It was, I think, pretty underwhelming to, to, to kind of the expectation. I think last year there was a lot of like, wow, there's really not many people here. Like the best quarterback might be Tyson Bajan, who ends up, you know, in Chicago, like that's that's where that's what we had to work with. But this week, it felt like okay, there are some guys with arm talent. There's some guys who can who can really elevate themselves this week. We just didn't see it a whole lot. I think Rattler probably had the best week. He had, you know, he was Senior Bowl game MVP, right? And a nice throw to to Rosemary Jack Saint for the score early in the game. It felt like he had the best command of what was going on, at least you know on the field and just you know good zip on the football, pretty good touch overall. And, and he kind of, by the end of the week, had that kind of gamer mentality, which was good. I will, I would do want to highlight Michael Pratt because someone shared this, and I got to figure out where the heck it is. Um, but there was a tweet. I think Maddie Hudak is, I'm pretty sure, who shared it because she's been, you know, working with a lot of either, you know, college, you know, on the LSU side of things or New Orleans with the Saints, but was is is in Tulane now, you know, working, you know, for that for that football team, and and she was like, kind of like observing how Pratt was going, you know up to receivers after every play and just talking about like, okay, what do you, what do you kind of like here when you're running this route? Where do you like the ball? And just kind of like encouragement and, and just kind of discussing a lot with them all week long. People like me probably not paying attention to that as much, right? We're kind of trying to get, look at this rep. What's going on with this rep? Like, you know, they're, they're fast and furious through these things, but I thought it was interesting that Pratt, it seemed like was just, you know, communicating with a lot of guys out there, whether it be the receivers, tight ends, running backs, you know, him and Milton had a had a you know had a handshake, you know, by midweek, which was cool. But like it seemed like Pratt was kind of the one guy that kind of went in there like, okay, this is a big time kind of job interview, first step in the process. You know, I'm gonna, you know, be a sponge, but also, you know, be a communicative guy and, and a leader out there. And I thought that was really kind of something that that kind of opens the eyes a little bit as to like, okay, these QBs, you know, they're and and all these guys are are coming in here trying to, you know just do their absolute best every week and, and gain every edge they can. Got it. Yeah, good stuff. So as we look at the board here, just the early projection of the quarterback, and we'll move on to, to running back here. <clears throat> According to the consensus big board, the Bears taking Caleb Williams with number one, Drake May uh, going to the Washington Commanders at number two, Jaden Daniels going number three to the New England Patriots, and then it kind of dips. It, it's it's really it's, it's kind of odd. The consensus big board has J.J. McCarthy – in the 28th spot and Bo Nix in the 33rd spot. However, their projections have Bo Nix going number 12 to the Broncos and they have JJ McCarthy going number 26 
to the Michigan Wolf. I'm sorry, to the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, out of Michigan. Yeah. Then you got Michael Penix Jr., who you just mentioned that was down at the Senior Bowl as well, going number 43 to Atlanta. They have Michael Pratt going number 52 to the L.A. Rams. So going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Yep. The more quarterbacks go before pick 25, the better, right, Jay? That's what we're looking for. We want all yep. we, all the Absolutely. quarterbacks. Get them off the board. Take seven. Yes. Yeah, take exactly. seven of them, please. <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right, yeah. let's, uh, let's move on to running back then. Um, I know yeah. there was uh, a lot of running back talk this weekend or this week sure. leading up to the Senior Bowl. Let's kind of dive into the running back position as far as what did you see down there at the Senior Bowl? You know, obviously Blake Corum wasn't there. Trey Benson wasn't there. Jonathan Brooks still rehabbing the ACL. My boy yeah. Audrey Estime wasn't there. Um, some of the top backs obviously not there. We got to go there all the way go. down to the, yeah, the, the first four, I guess you could say. You got Marshawn Lloyd from USC, Sweet Baby Ray Davis, my man from Kentucky. Yeah. You had Jalen Wright from Tennessee, and then you had uh, jo- Jahair, I think is how you say it, Jahair. Um, Jordan from Louisville. Uh, what stood out to you about the running backs down there in Mobile? Well, yeah. So a couple of so actually, Wright and Jordan didn't uh, Wright didn't show up. Jordan uh, didn't practice all week. Um, so yeah, it got <laughs> yeah, it got pretty thin. No, but I, I the top two really did show out. I, I, and you're gonna you're gonna love what I have to say after after I talk about Lloyd. I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> but Marshawn Lloyd looks looks like a different mover out there. He's he's pretty well built. I'm gonna bring. I, I got the measurements up here, so I want to make sure I get this right. Mm-hmm. I wish I had them all uh, memorized perfectly, but yeah, okay. So Marshawn Lloyd five nine and eight two seventeen. Well built dude for oh, me yeah. a five nine. Yeah. So that's a ball there. Yeah, and and he was explosive all week. You know, he's he can rip off big runs. But I think what was really exciting about him is is seeing that agility show up because I think a lot of times at USC. You know, it was kind of a lot of gap run, and he's he's off to the races. He's got a hole, he hits it, and then and we're out of there. Just see some vision when they're running some zone stuff instead was really good. And then he gets to the backside of the play. He's got to handle the the kind of unblocked end man, and he's making a miss. He shook a couple guys out of their shoes in, in when they were running 11s. I think really talented, really explosive, really quick. He's probably to me like that's a guy who can outplay draft position uh, come draft time because I, I do think. You mentioned it. He's kind of got the bowling ball build, but he's also got plenty, plenty of explosiveness as well. I, I think a, a little more than than Corum, which is pretty close to what Corum's at. I think Corum's more like just under 5'8 and like 217, 219. So they're pretty similar, but I do think uh, Lloyd's got plenty more uh, explosiveness uh, in his game. So it's it's really it's nice. The main and event here, Jake. Let's the main event. Going. Let's, yeah. Let's let okay, hold on. Let's let's uh, okay. Uh yeah, but Ray Davis, like it's it's really fun to see how quick he is, uh, for being as, as big as as well built as he is, too. And I think that's kind of the theme here with both of these backs. I want to get the numbers. Yeah, five, eight and a half, two twenty. Like <laughs> you can tell, like, so some of the you, you can tell like who's the running back in the huddle very often because they're five eight, five nine. Right. And they're sit they're standing next to guys who are six seven all week, right? Right. right. So that's you know, okay, that's the running back. But Man, Davis as a receiver this week. You know, he first day of practice, he goes up, it's in tight coverage with a linebacker, you know, elevates for the football, gets both feet in, and and you know, coaches are loving it. The next day comes out, runs a seam route on a linebacker, you know, beats him obviously with more he's got more speed than him, mm. and then one-handed. Just like just just making the splash plays, but then also, you know, looking really disciplined when they're running the football, when they're playing eleven, right? You obviously aren't tackling guys, you aren't hitting that much, but 
right. know, the vision's really, really good. And and you've and, and Clayton, I'm sure you've seen it all, all year back in the fall, right? He can make people miss, and that's a big deal. You have to have an answer when it's like one v one. I think that's something that that should be taken into account a lot at the running back position. Those two did that really well. I, I do think one two other guys really quick. Mm-hmm. Uh Rasheen Ali from Marshall. I don't know how far down he is. There he is, 177. He 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 got hurt the first day, but you he moves different. He moves it different. Really? He is in and he looks he they they gave him a run on out, like outside zone and he, he's he's and it just looked like he was gliding to the corner. Gave the gave the corner a little hesitation move and then gone again. And, and like with that kind of straight line speed, that is that is impressive. He has battled a lot of injury recently, so that's not great to see that that he goes down again, but you can tell like this guy moves different in a straight line. So that was exciting. And then I think Dylan Lobb from, from New Hampshire, just a few spots above there. He, he kind of does, does everything a little bit of everything. He looked really good as a route runner. You know, he made some tough catches and contested spots as a running back. You don't see that very often. And, and he's, he's battling out there. He's built pretty well for the, for the running back position. I'll get his really quick. If they have them not to take up too much time, I'm going to make sure we're, we're ready. Time. Okay, five nine and five eight two ten. So a little smaller than the other guys, but you know he's playing in New Hampshire. He looks pretty good too, and he's wearing forty. I, I'm I'm wondering if he was wearing forty for all stock because that's you know kind of like you know the shorter <laughs> stockier build out there, but dude just can make some plays. So that that was cool. That it, it wasn't like the most star studded group, but I right. think those four really really stood out, and especially Lloyd and and, and Davis really day after day in practice. Got it. Good stuff. Yeah. The thing that I noticed about Ray Davis this year, and the only reason I know this guy is because I'm a Kentucky fan and, and watching a, a large majority of their snaps. When he made guys miss, he could do it in tight windows too. It was like he could do it. I don't want to say within the tackles, but you know, that mid level two defenders around him, it just, he's very shifty for his size. And, and, you know, yeah. some of it has to do with the, the talent you played against, obviously, but if you're going, I'd like to check out Ray Davis, go watch the Florida game. My God, he I'll never forget. I was sitting at Beef O'Brady's little Irish pub here in town. Uh, you know, it's no nothing, no hole in the wall. It's not, it's not a gym or anything. They're nationwide. But we're sitting there and a Florida fan comes in and sits down. And I'm thinking he better not get mouthy. I'm immediately eyeing him. Like, he, better <laughs> not get mouthy. he had a he had a. And listen, we're in Johnson City, Tennessee. That's where Steve Spurrier is from. Steve Spurrier despised Tennessee and went to Florida. Okay, so keep that in mind. He's wearing a Steve Spurrier, Steve Spurrier, Florida throwback jersey when, you know, Spurrier won the Heisman sitting next to us in this sports bar in Tennessee. And I'm a Kentucky fan. I'm incognito. I have no Kentucky colors on at all. Right. And I'm telling you, he was miserable the entire day. It was about midway through the third quarter. He threw his glass down on the table and said, who the hell is this Ray Davis? (laughs) I was rolling, man, because he was going. That's where we get the sweet baby Ray. From. I can't remember who called it. It might have been our our boy uh, Gus Johnson. It might have been, but whoever it was, okay. sweet, sweet baby Ray Davis. I'll, I'll never forget it, man. One of my yeah. top moments of the college football season. So anyway, you guys get a chance tonight. You want something to fall asleep to? Go on YouTube and find Kentucky versus Florida 2023 and watch sweet baby Ray take over. It was a lot of fun. So, um, all right, wide receiver. You know, first of all, when you mention those running backs, though, I do want to say – we're probably taking a running back, right, Jake? Am I, mean, I wrong there? We're probably going to at least draft one, don't you think? I would imagine so. It, 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 I'd be very surprised if they don't leave with one or maybe even two um, when all said and done. So, I agree. So, wide receiver, 
as we comb down here, let's look for the Reese symbol. Looks like the first one got might have the coolest name in college football. Lad McConkey, a fellow Irishman here um, out of Georgia. He's the first one that comes in in the number 39 spot. He's projected to go 31 to Kansas City. That just seems like a Kansas City pick, to be honest with you. Um, and then you got Xavier. I hope I'm saying it right. Is it Leggett or is it? I think it's. I, think it's uh, oh, I don't know if it's Leggett or Leggett. It's it's one of the two. Gotcha. Go and then of course you got. Uh, Devontae Walker, but I'm sure you got a couple of mm-hmm. gems below these guys. So, uh, wide receiver, what stood out to you down there in Mobile? We can start with Lab McConkey, who I think you know, there was plenty of expectation coming in that you know, great route runner is pretty much just going to cook guys for most of the week, and and he he definitely did that. I think you saw just how how impressive it was for him to gain ground with some release, you know, press vertically in the stem, and just be able to snap stuff off really quick to get just kind of get guys on their heels initially with that, like kind of two, three vertical steps and he's winning out and in breakers. No problem. Uh, physicality gave him a little bit of trouble on day two, but he kind of got back to work and you see, you saw a little bit more improvement uh, by day three. I, I want to get the numbers for him. Yeah. So five eleven and a half, one eighty seven. So he's a little bit smaller. He, he, okay. so not, not, yeah, not the biggest guy out there, but he's definitely somebody who, you know, has been able to win on the perimeter, win in the slot. But, you know, physicality, I think, was the one question mark. Didn't really answer it, but we kind of knew, like, receiver v. corner, receivers have an advantage. They've got, you know, basically a three-way go. They can go whatever direction they want to to win. Uh, so he he kind of cleaned up nicely and, and and did what he needed to do down there for the most part. Blake B, Blake B already mentioned it. Roman Wilson sees him, but we'll, we'll get to 75 on the list first, I think, just because he's there first. Um, okay. Yeah, Ricky Pearsall – like him and Roman Wilson, both they needed only two days of practice. They're out of there. Uh, it was it was that easy for them. Uh, Roman Wilson was really the only guy who could consistently get Quinion Mitchell on his heels. Um, really, it, that was about it. Yeah, he got him on. I think one the first day, and then you know on the last uh, the last rep of of day two, kind of beat him. He slipped a little bit, and then he, Roman Wilson made a one handed catch. It was very awesome. Uh, it was very cool to see live. So, yeah, Wilson was cooking everybody else. Uh, the speed is real with him. I know that, you know, we, we kind of think of Roman Wilson as, as just like the quintessential slot receiver, and, and he kind of is that. He sees 186. He's not the biggest dude, like 5'10 and, and change. But the, the vertical speed that he he brought out and was able to use to his advantage all week to get open was impressive. It kind of makes you wonder why, you know, they weren't throwing him the ball more. That might be a J.J. McCarthy issue, just saying. Um <laughs> I, you know, not not starting things, but like this, he, he caught he caught a lot of touchdowns this year. But like, it feels like he should have been more involved in a passing game that just sometimes, I don't know, disappeared for some reason. But Roman Wilson was excellent. Uh, Pearsall looked so fluid, and and Pearsall's bigger. He's six foot. He's one ninety three, right? Like he he's got decent size to his game, and he just looked the part as a route runner as well. Those three just dominated as route runners all week long, and it was it was it was fun to watch. And Pearsall Wilson had you know, better answers for press for more physicality than McConkey did. So that's, I think is well notable. Uh, in gotcha. the ones. Big boy, Johnny Wilson. Do you think he uh, improved his stock or just kind of, kind of set the same or maybe hurt it? How did, how did you feel about Johnny? He looked a little stiff to me. I ain't going to lie. Yeah, he did look a little stiff. He also didn't catch the football particularly well, which you're six, six. Yeah, it is not. You're six, six, two thirty seven. You got a catch radius, the size of a Buick, man. I, I need to be able, we need to be able to reel stuff in. Okay. like we we just got to be able to reel everything in that's thrown our way and that did not happen this week and that's a little concerning 
Um, yeah, I, I don't think he, I don't think he hurt it too much because he kind of bounced back a little bit. But I don't think there was anything that was really t- needle moving from the week. He's still a guy who did really well if you look at PFF stuff and yards per out run against man coverage. He did pretty well in that regard, just because he's bigger, right? <laughs> and you know they got him running some crossers where he can win with some stride length. But yeah, not not the best from him. I I, I do think McConkey, Pearsall, and Wilson were really the guys to watch for. And I think I don't know how far down he is. Jamari Thrash from Louisville is really, really twitched up. There he is. There. 104, yeah. Yeah, of course. I didn't why did I think it was gonna be a far scroll, right? These there's so many dang receivers in this class that that, <laughs> that are talented. That's just that's just how it goes. Uh looking for Thrash's numbers really quick. Where are you? <laughs> He's on the smaller side as well. So I don't know if Packer fans need to get super acquainted with him. Yeah, 5'11, 185. Probably not. I know Reed was like 187 to 190. That was the big like we're gonna reach out of our comfort zone here for this player, but Thrash looked nice. He's still he's not as well built as like a Pierce or Wilson, so you know the physicality might give him trouble. But he's he's really twitched up, and he when he's given you know some a little bit of space to operate, he he can get open at will. So got it. I'll tell you when I when I turned on that tape for Boston College versus Florida State last year, you knew right where Johnny Wilson was the entire time. It oh, was. Yes. And there was one time they came out in a they came in a, out in a two by two set, and they motioned. I think what was the X or no, it would have been the yeah the X no yeah the X. They motioned the X in and put him in the backfield, so it was just Johnny Wilson. And you see the safety, you could tell the call and what what Halfley had set up was okay. In two by twos, the boundary we want to make sure we're playing five to seven off. As soon as he motioned the X motioned out, and it was just Johnny Wilson sitting there. Mm-hmm. You seen them adjust, and the safety came up to play bump and run, and it looked like, it looked like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory, bro. It looked like one of the what were they called the 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 uh, the, the little, Oompa Loompas. It looked like an Oompa Loompa trying to trying to cover Andre yeah. and John. It was hilarious, and they had him play press, and you could tell it, his plan was real simple, Jake. It was I'm gonna just just slap him with my left hand, and I'm running. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get some kind of leverage. Sure enough, back shoulder throw, Johnny Wilson about I don't know, about 23 yards. So yeah. <laughs> like like stealing candy from a baby. But yeah. anyway, like, what um, can you do? Yeah. I'm gonna skip over tight end. If you've got someone you want to mention, feel free to do so. But you know, obviously uh, offensive yeah. line is a big kind of thing for the Packers this year. You okay with us skipping tight end or is there anything? Yeah. yeah, that's fine. I think I think everybody probably did like Theo Johnson from Penn State probably had the best week all around yeah. player. Ben Sinat, though from Kansas State would be fun in Deguara's role, just saying. Um, <laughs> there you go. But All you know, right. that'd be fun. Now I've got to go back. Now I've got to go. I'm sorry. Personnel, just saying. No, no, just saying. we've got to. What, who was it again? Ben Sinat from Kansas State. He's there at 126. He's so the the big question, really quick. I'll I'll try to keep this like 30 seconds. The big question with him was size because you know they lined him up as as an H back. They lined him up at tight end. You know he runs good routes, catch the football. He had a few drops this week, but you don't see that a lot on film. So that a little less concerning. But he comes in at six four two fifty four. That's a big deal because he was in low. They thought everybody thought low two forties, and that felt like oh, that's an H back a receiving tight end only. No, no, comes in at two fifty four, and he blocks his butt off on film. Mm. Very, very notable right there because teams yeah. are now going to say, okay, now we can stick this guy in line. We can also keep have him at the H back spot. You know, we could maybe treat this as a you know diet Kyle Uzcheck situation here Uh-oh, potentially uh-oh. with with a player like Ben Sinat. So, got it. Just had that's to good. had to get that note in there for him. 
Yeah, he's sitting at 126, but keep in mind he peaked at 99. So if he did look good at the senior bowl, you might see him climb a little closer to 99 rather than the 126. So yeah. definitely something to keep an eye on. Let's go into offensive tackle. And, Jake, if you have to hop off here, you just say, Clayton, I'm out of time, and we'll end nope, it. Okay? we're good. All right, good we're deal. good. Um, first one on the list here at offensive tackle that, that is showing the Reese's sign for here is uh, Fuaga, offensive tackle out of Oregon State. They've got him projected to go number 14 to the Saints. So, according to that, he wouldn't be available, although we could still talk about him. Another one is uh, – uh, was it Font- Fontana? Is yeah, that he didn't – yeah, Fontana did not end up sticking around for Senior Bowl week. There were uh, On Monday, they released a list of guys who, you know, don't, don't end up showing up. Unfortunately, he was one of them. It would have been nice to see him, though. Gotcha. So, and that's probably more one of those things that, hey, we feel we feel good about the work we've got on tape, right? Let's just Probably. go ahead and head into the draft or or not. I think it. I think what that signals to me is he's in round one of DJ's mocks and Brugler's mocks. We're good. We'll, <laughs> yeah, we're fine. We're okay. We're fine. It's kind of like uh, Drew Rosenhaus last year with Jalen Carter. Like I'm not taking any calls outside of ten. Sorry. Yeah. Ain't there do you it. go. So. Um, all right, cool. Well, um, you can just kind of – I can scroll up and down. Tell me what you think about the offensive tackles that showed up. Do you have any that, that come to mind like, hey, this guy really showed up uh, here in the three days of practice? Um, at ta- I mean, Tyler Guyton I think was a little bit of a mixed bag because I think there is so much to like with the profile. The question really with him is is kind of, you know, with the hand usage right now. It, it feels like – Everything, everything else, athleticism wise, with Guyton is super good. Like you'll you'll see him, you know, jump set. He'll get to the landmark as a pass protector in an instant, and he's he's basically cut guys off from getting to like you know they get to half man right, where they're just trying to tack one half of you to turn the corner. Yeah. Guyton pretty much erases any bit of that immediately when he sets. That's really good news. The problem is, is we need to get those hands in tight. He likes to do the thing where people like kind of try to bear hug you, and. Want him to, want him, to yeah, exactly. And you want him to just get get a punch out there early, get a strike out there early, you know, get in tight and, and be able to to just extend because I think he's got enough size and, and you can see it on film where he is just like, Yeah, no, you're just not gonna get past me. I'm, I'm way bigger than you, man. What are you trying to do here? Like, so he has all that, but like there are going to be guys in the NFL who are going to give you trouble if you're not technically sound with your hands. Now, NFL teams are gonna be like okay, we can fix that. That's not a problem. We can't teach you to be as big as you are and as fast as you are, right? Six, seven, and an eight, 328. And he moves so, so well. He's a great zone blocker too. Six, seven, 328? Yeah, yeah. Jeez, yeah. Pete, man. 34, 34 and a quarter inch arms. So plenty oh. of length at the position, right? Wingspan's 82 inches. So like he he's built for this, right? So yeah. he just has to, if, as long as the hands are good, Right, teams are going to be like, all right, we can we can work with this. We'll be fine here. Just get the hands right, and he's going to be, I think, a really strong player. Uh, he's probably going in the first. He didn't. He wasn't at practice Thursday, which to me, for all the hype that he had and where he's at on this on this consensus board, to me says, yeah, he's going round one because his yeah. testing should be good as well. And they got him projected to go to San Fran at thirty two. So there you go. There you go. Uh, um, anybody else as far as offensive tackle? You like tackle? Yeah, I mean, I think. I think there were just a lot of mixed bags. Jordan Morgan from Arizona kind of looked like maybe the kick into guard. It might be, uh, gotcha. Might be where we need to go. Kingsley Suamataia from or Suamataia from from BYU is still intriguing to me because he's he's twenty, I believe, or twenty one by draft time. Oh wow! He's a really young player played a lot of right tackle. I think there were plenty of reps where it looked like okay, I you know I'm gonna lose slowly. I'm gonna get you know knees bent. You know. 
you know, balanced really well, but there were kind of times where he, it just felt like he wasn't up to speed technically with some of the guys. So I think there's, it's another guy with a lot of potential there uh, that, that could really, you know, by, you know, year three, when he's 23 years old, right. Just kind of be like, all right, now it's my time to jump onto the scene. Uh, only because he's there. Patrick Paul concerns me after this week okay. because man, I'm going to bring up the numbers really fast, but like, man, we got it. We got to talk about this. <laughs> My guy, you are six, seven, three thirty three, and you have 36 and a quarter inch arms, 36 and a quarter inch arms. My guy. Okay. Problem when he's, when he's setting, we're not shooting. We're not using the length to our advantage at all. You just let him come to you. He's just, he's like, yep, come get me. And then I, what's worse is right. When he gets to the set point and he's ready for contact, you see his arms chop like this and we're wrapping every time. Right. And he's just losing rep after rep after rep. And I'm like, man, we got it. Brother, you have the longest arms here. Please use them. Please. Right. One time. Get some extension. Get a strike out there that's going to take a guy nine yards before he can get around you again. Like, that. it's just, <laughs> he, he can do it. And it's just, right. it is so frustrating to see a guy with that kind of length at the tackle position that just did not use it at all. You can just see it. Like, here, Clayton, I'll send you, I'll send you some links to go watch the 1v1s. It is Ooh, it's just I can't believe how high he gets at the hands, how how upright he plays. Yeah, it's not great. It's not great. He did not help himself. He's projected not to go tear these four, guys yeah. down, but it just I feel no, like right? we we have a chance here with Paul. It's just use that length, my guy. We can do this. I promise, we, we can do this. We like to keep things positive on this pod, but we've yeah. also got a, a saying that if you see it, you got to say it. Like, it what are we doing is. if we're not mentioning that stuff? And I was really excited because I thought. Paul was going to, well, he was listed at like 315. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, well, with that size, that height, he's like a Packer pick. He came in at 333, which isn't super exciting because Green Bay usually stays in that 3 to 10 to 320 area. But to not use your length like that. Got it. Not ideal. Not ideal. All right. Let's move on to interior offensive right. line. This, to me, is more in that vein for the uh, for the Packers faithful, I believe. We're all kind of yeah. looking at, okay, what are we going to do with right guard? Are we just going to move forward with Sean Ryan? Um, mm-hmm. Is Josh Myers going to be the guy? I'm of the opinion I think they're probably going to stick with him this year, although you get the right situation, fall into place, you have a camp battle, you never know what's going to happen. But yeah. as you see right here at the top of the list, we can't ignore it. Graham Barton, interior offensive lineman for Duke. He's projected to go number 25 to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, would you be okay with that pick? And then just go ahead and dive into all the other interior offensive line. So, yeah, this is another one of those unfortunate lists here that we got going on because Barton did not show up. Uh, Frazier was hurt, right? He broke his leg at the end of the season. Now he's running. He's doing a lot of stuff in the rehab room, which is awesome. He was down there, I believe. So that's good. He got to meet with people, but BB didn't show up. Van Pran didn't show up, which is kind of shocking to me. So we're kind of like, you know, kind of like, oh, throw these guys yeah, out. No information, right? right? <laughs> but it's tough, right? It, right? That's the tough part about this because I know I recorded, you know, the pod for Monday and the preview, and there were just guys that obviously you don't see, you know, coming across the, the wire late that that weren't going to be there. But hmm. as far as your question for Barton, I mean, he he's played left tackle, right, for Duke. I think the lack of length with him shows up a little bit. You see guys like from Clemson getting him getting to a long arm and he just he can't reach out to recover. Uh, but I think he plays great balance, great quicks. You know, I think the athleticism and the fit as his own blocker is going to be there. And I think in pass protection as a guard he's, or a center, he's going to be really, really strong. He played center as a freshman at Duke. So, oh, wow. so he has played left tackle and center. He hasn't played guard, but I know a lot of people are, are you know, pushing him in that direction i think he's going to have to 
uh, play guard or center, but having that flexibility and, and maybe, maybe, maybe playing tackle in a pinch for Green Bay, I don't think gotcha. he will, but I wouldn't be mad at it just because he might be like one of the best players left on the board when Green Bay's picking. Yeah, it seems like when we've done our mocks to at least in the early stages, he's he's almost always there, right? So, yeah, um, yeah and you know it kind of kind of fits the bill too, right? Where we talk about you know your Zach Tom types that can play all over the line. Yeah, um, you get someone like Graham Barton that, like you said, in a pinch could play tackle. He might be able to unseat Josh Josh Myers as a center, and then also could play yeah. right guard. I can see how it makes sense. He peaked at twenty. He's sitting at twenty nine right now. Yeah. But uh, anybody else interior um, offense? Yeah, Drew D put this in the chat that was really good. He says, but guys get their hands. He can recover. And there's there's definitely instances of him doing that. And I think, you know, when you look at playing that position, you know, doing that at guard or center, I like that a ton. Um, Obviously, Jackson Powers Johnson was way up there. I I could almost guarantee that we're going to see his name jump up even higher. I think he's at what, like 35. Yeah, we're yeah, we're going, we're going up. My guy looks like a veteran out there playing playing guard and center. It's it's absurd. So at 25, uh, would you be okay with going Jack Jackson uh Powers Johnson over Grand Bar? Would you be okay with that if they did that? Or is that a little bit of a stretch? Um, I think I'll have pa- Powers Johnson higher, but like Barton's potential to play all five, I know I've mentioned the length being an issue. But I mean, if he's technically strong enough to like play tackle in a pinch, I think that's where his value goes up a little bit higher gotcha. over a Powers Johnson. Now, if Powers Johnson's dominant. If I were the Steelers at 20, it wouldn't even be a question about picking him. <laughs> Miami, they need a ton of help, right? Like, yeah, especially with uh, with Connor out, right? With the yeah, ACL, he's, he's he's set to hit free agency too. So, yeah, he's I, I, I it, it'll be hard to you'd be hard pressed to to tell me. I don't know if I could agree with the saying like Powers Johnson is not going round one. I, I feel like it's not locked completely, but I would say like 80, 85%. Gotcha. We got to talk about Christian Haynes from UConn really quick. All right, let's see. talk about Christian Haynes. So look at his projection. First, first of all, yeah. 58 to green Bay. Go that's ahead. what we're let's talking about right there. Uh, that's we like that. Um, he is as good a zone blocker at guard as I've seen in a while like just ready made like i'm good for zone like him and guyton were lined up a lot at right guard right tackle they're just crushing guys you know haynes is scooping guys he's getting around them right guyton's doing the same thing if guy they're they got a double team going on haynes is to the second level and like in a snap of your fingers so i think what the question was is can haynes handle top competition right he played at uconn so he got some games against you know acc uh acc teams but you know getting a bigger sample size was big First day, struggled a little bit, gave up some ground in the 1v1. Second day, guys are like, all right, buddy, just shoot the hands initially because you can quick set really well. You can recover. You have great balance. You have great knee bend, and you have great footwork to, to, to kind of mirror anybody trying to get around you. Once he shoots the hands and they're really, really, really in tight around the armpits, man, just win, 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 and just kept winning the rest of the week. Like, guys ready-made and a right guard. He played right guard his, his whole career. Gotcha. So he's sitting at 91. Sharpie, baby. 
<laughs> he's sitting at 91 currently. He peaked at 61, but the projection is number 58 to Green Bay. So you'll probably see him climb up the census big board, I would imagine. I think uh, so. Yeah. That he, he looked good down there. So yep. good stuff there, man. I'll tell you, I, I think you're probably going to take at least two swings at interior offensive line in this draft. You know, obviously Goody will like wait that. a little later to do it. I'd be really surprised if he goes Graham Barton that early just because it doesn't feel like Goody does that. Yeah. You know, I think what what's the earliest we've taken? Probably Elton Jenkins, right? Am I thinking right? Um, yeah, that was at like, what was that at? 40, second round, four forty-five, something like that. Yep. So, yeah, yeah. If if they don't believe Barton can play tackle at all, it just doesn't feel like they're going to go that direction. Gotcha. It, it would feel like they would, if, if you truly believe Barton was a you know a all five positions player. Yeah, then then teams are going to be all in. But if there are some teams that are kind of like, ah, I just kind of hesitant to play him at tackle. That's where you'll probably see him maybe fall to day two. He's a good player. He's a really good player. There's no doubt. Good stuff. Let's move on to defensive line. Um, obviously, you know, it, it depends on who you talk to. Now it's okay. Are we gonna are we gonna switch to a four three as the base? I think some people were completely sold on that. I'm not hundred percent sold on it. Although if I had to put money on it, I would say we probably will go to a four three base as a as opposed to staying with that 34 jam front. So if that's the case, you know, I pointed out on Twitter earlier having a conversation with another fan, a fellow fan, and it's like, okay. They said, I'd like to see Carl Brooks out there playing, you know, playing more snaps. And I'm going, okay, that, you know, I like Carl Brooks too. But if you're going away from a 34 jam, then really you're going to see all of these defensive linemen kind of get a, a few, you know, some fewer snaps, if you will. Now, we don't know if the rotational aspect of how they play, especially with the edge position, which now we all know Carl Brooks played college edge at 300 pounds. So there's a chance you could do that in the four three, obviously, especially on running downs. Um, a lot of things come into play here. So I don't know how active they'll be after a defensive lineman. You got Kenny Clark, who's making a lot of money against the cap. Uh, obviously you got Devontae Wyatt. You invested a first round pick in, you got Carl Brooks, who I think is just coming on as an absolute stud. I think he's better than Wyatt. That's just me personally. Um, so when you kind of look at the depth of the defensive line, TJ Slayton, Obviously, your traditional type nose tackle, more of a 34 nose tackle, although he could anchor a, a 4-3, just might not have the quickness you want in penetration there. But mm -hmm. um, what stood out to you about defensive line? And did you did you see anybody that you go that right there might be might be a Packer pick? Anything stand out to you? I don't know if I don't know if there's a Packer on the list. There might be. I don't know if he's oh shoot. Can you scroll down? I don't know if he's listed in here or not. He might be listed as an edge. Not seen him yet. Oh no. Okay, he is there. Okay, cool. So we might have to talk about him earlier because he's this. This might Darius Robinson might be the four three end that we're looking for here, folks. Uh, nice. he was six five two eighty six thirty four and three quarter inch arms. He was five tech three tech pushing dudes back, explosion to power in spades. But he also lands a vicious strike with two hands to just drive people backwards. And he was doing it all week. He had a great, great club arm over move that was really quick and violent with the strike. It was all over the place. He's he's going to skyrocket. This projection at 64 to, to San Francisco, goodbye. I heard somebody comp him to somebody that, I, you know, people might be outraged to even mention the name on here. Mm -hmm. But, like, that's that people already are buzzing about this guy all week. I, there were, you know, there's some NFL guys that kind of walk the bleachers and whatnot. So you kind of, you know, you kind of tilt your ear and you go, and people are like, man, this Missouri kid, everybody's going to want him by the end of the week, is what someone I heard someone say. I'm like, 
it's just that's that's how he played all week. And I and he is at 286, feels like a four three end. Um he would be quick, huh? He oh yes, oh yes. And then when you have that kind of length and you use it and you strike well, goodness sakes. I mean, if that number doesn't have a three on it by April, I'll be shocked. Oh wow! I will so you're talking about potentially climbing up yeah. sixty spots. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that might that that number might be a three. And that, my friends, is why the Senior Bowl week matters, right there. Yeah, um, he's projected. He's projected to go 64. He's sitting at 99. He peaked at 85. So my man did himself some favors. Sounds like. Go ahead, Jake. Yeah. No, he definitely did. I think McKinley Jackson right above him is somebody Packers fans have looked at because he's, I believe he's in the 320 range. He was listed there at least. Let me get the number. Where are you? Where are you? Oh, 6 1 and 5 ace 331. Ooh, that's that's, that's pretty close. That's pretty close to where Slayton was when Green Bay drafted him. Yeah. And he was pretty disruptive. He plays really, really low at the point of attack. He was like stack shedding guys in some run game drills. If if they decide that they're like, okay, in this 4-3, we need more of a nose tackle, one tech type that can, you know, take on a lot. Mm-hmm. That might be Jackson. Um, if he as long as he continues to play low enough. Like he he has put on enough weight to potentially be that guy. Obviously, everybody loved Tavondre Sweat this week. Uh, my guy, Bo Limmer <laughs> from Arkansas, uh, took the full weight of one of his brushes this week. And, uh, it looked bad. It Did you see the one tough, where he went man. Bambi legs? Like he collapsed him, yeah. but his leg, his knees touched, his ankles went out, and it was just like, that is a whole lot of grown man he's trying yes. to handle. <laughs> when, when Sweat can play low and strike well, like it's over. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. over. <laughs> um, he didn't weigh in, which to me – is mm. probably saying he's above 360. Um, oh, so, and what's yeah. his height again? Uh, six, I think he's 6'4. Six, 6'4, four. Six, four, 360. Jeez. Yeah. So, so we might be looking. And then one of the guys that I talked to down there a lot, and you know, in, in the draft world, they're like, they, you know, they asked him, like, what playing weight, what's, what's the deal with that? And he goes, I'll tell you this, I'm not going to be fined for missing, you know, any practice or any or anything like that coming in being overweight I, that will not happen um he seems yeah. clearly motivated that to get to get the bag every week um so he may be able to get you know down to to a 340 right if, if he needs to be like this mm-hmm. if green bay wanted to do it sweet <laughs> like this this would be incredible um but i don't know if green bay is going to want a guy that big at the position but like goodness sakes, we're we're looking man. at like we're we're pushing into like just territory that many guys don't go, right? With your Vita Veas, right? Like we're getting into old school Dusty Rhodes territory. We're getting right? this is he is he was out he was he was really fun to watch this week. He was really fun to watch. That's awesome, man. Um, anybody else in defensive line you want to hit on? I'm gonna try to go quicker here. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get we can get rolling. We can. I don't know if we need to go to edge. I guess we could. I don't just know. Quick, Green Bay feels glance here. I, yeah, I'm with you. I don't think we have a whole lot there, but uh, as yeah. far as need, but just mm-hmm. a quick glance here. See what I know. Think. I know. Latu obviously looked really good. Adisa Isaac is maybe the one guy uh, down there at 100 for Pence. Actually, there might be two, but we'll we'll, we'll try to keep it to just Isaac. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Isaac, I think, is extremely extremely explosive. Right? He is. He is coming along the long line of. Penn State guys are just insanely good athletes, and that's just how it goes. Like he's he's six four, two fifty. 
a hair under 34 inch arms, but he was like the one guy I think that gave Fuaga trouble down there. He oh, was really? the one guy who could threaten the outside track a little bit more. And it was like, oh, Fuaga's got to get his feet set. He's got to get out there, you know, and land a strike or otherwise Isaac's going to beat him around the edge. So is Isaac big enough for Green Bay, especially if they're moving to a 4-3? No. At 250, I doubt it. But if for some reason they stick in the 3-4, the athleticism is going to be where Goody is kind of salivating a little bit. Gotcha. So, you, yeah. so you think his RAS will be pretty pretty good? Yes. I I I do think it will be in probably it'll probably start with a nine for sure. Got it. I, I can't imagine it would otherwise. But Marshawn Neal, really quick from Western Michigan, six three, two sixty-eight flashed a little bit down there. He's more in that closer to a, you know, you could play four three D end. Okay. Gotcha. So good stuff there. Let me put him down too. So possibly four three and M Nealon. Yep. Good stuff, man. Um, all right, let's uh Let's roll through here to uh, a position that I'm kind of excited to see what the Packers do with his linebacker, whether it's free agency, um, whether Devondre's back or not. You know, it just kind of yeah. feels like – I hope it's not the case, but it kind of feels like Devondre's better years are behind him. Um, but right here at the top of the list is my guy that you guys have seen. I've mocked a couple of times, taking Jeremiah Trotter Jr. Um, just because, you know, some of the PFF stuff, he really stands out to me over the last couple of years. But uh, at linebacker, look at look at the Eagles here too. Absolutely hilarious, right? They projected fifty three. Uh, there you go, just double dip yeah. on the linebackers. And of course, they didn't take my guy Jeremiah Trotter Jr. But they, they kind of need to. They kind of <laughs> yeah, need no, to, man. That no linebacker play was atrocious. No uh, doubt. You know, there was people earlier today talking about Patrick Queen and free agency. So I said, you know what? Let's just test the waters here. So I put his projected contract of eighteen and a half million per year and said, hey guys. As Packer fans, would you be interested in signing him for this? It was, what in the heck is going on? No, absolutely <laughs> no, not. So no, no, no. I think there's a good chance you could go get a linebacker. Now, listen, you've got, you got Quay, you got Devondre Campbell, you got Isaiah McDuffie, right? So you're probably looking for one more. I think if the board falls right here, man, maybe I'm crazy. But if the board falls right, you might be able to take Devondre's uh, – replacement here in this draft and and you know Isaiah McDuffie being reunited with his former college coach there and Jeff Halfley so uh I don't know man I I just feel like that that linebacker room needs to be bolstered a little bit if you know Dre may come out and return to old Dre right but going on 31 years old or if he isn't already 31 I just I, I'm trying not to set unrealistic expectations you know what I mean Jake so uh yeah. when it comes to linebacker what did you think as far as senior bowl and maybe what the Packers may or may not do um, I know a lot of people are really quick mocking Edron Cooper to Green Bay. 6'2", okay. 227. Hmm. That seems a little small. I agree. Um, I did not think he was going to come in that um, at that, Does that rate. Does that change he... a 4-3, you think, Jake? Does that change if we do go to a 4-3 or not? I can't imagine it maybe, would, right? Maybe if you're playing Will Linebacker, you know. Yeah, in a different county out there <laughs> <laughs> on the boundary a little bit, I guess. Right. Um. But he is injured, so we'll see. Maybe, you know, gets healthy and he he gets, you know, back into the 230s at the combine. It's very possible. But that was just kind of a surprising thing to see because he was down at the Shrine Bowl. And, you know, I was kind of expecting, you know, he's 6'2". I'm like, okay, you know, be in the mid-230s and we're we're fine. We're good. And it that did, it did not work out that way. Um, Peyton Wilson, North Carolina. Man, mm-hmm. really good player. <laughs> really, really good player. Uh, it took it took him about seven plays for him to start sniffing out where the tight ends are going in route concepts, and he's just closing and he's breaking up passes. And 
just he he does everything really really well at the linebacker position. Obviously, the concerns with him are he's 24 and he's had you know a healthy dose of injuries in his career, mm-hmm. and that's where the concerns come up. But like, I don't know, he's six four two thirty four. I mean, he's got he's got great size for the position too, and he he is just he's humming all over the field. So and, you don't see any like uh, I don't mean to cut you off, but you don't see any restrictions as far as athletic ability. No, he okay. he looks really really and and he he can move around too and that's what's really really exciting like you know North Carolina gave him a lot of res- North Carolina State I mean gave him a lot of responsibilities and guys just guys just doing everything they ask of him and like it I think the P- I think PFF loved his year too this past year and I I think it tracks it it is something special out there what he's doing uh I know Cedric Gray is somebody else that Green Bay really likes uh, Green Bay fans at least really like to look at at the linebacker position, I think he came in okay numbers wise, six one two thirty two. That's not the worst. Uh, he can definitely he can definitely play in coverage for me anytime. Maybe that's the will line. Maybe that's the will linebacker there. But it seems like Green Bay might want to get, you know, somebody bigger out there for the four three. If they want Quay to run and chase in coverage, and they think that's that's where to go. I know everybody. JT Bertrand, have a week. Have a week, young fella. Really nice. A six one two thirty five, but he was up to like nineteen miles per hour on a lot of the stuff. Yeah, he may be further down. Bertrand, you there we go. There oh we man, go. look at that golden domer. There Let's go. go. But yeah, he was flying around. He was fast. The tracking technology was, you know, they were the results were really good. He was leading linebackers in speed basically all week. And yeah, he's a feisty player. He came down and hit a few times when you really weren't supposed to do that. Um but I do, I do think he really, he really showed out this week. I think he kind of got on the radar, both him and uh, Nathaniel Watson there from Mississippi State. So those, I think, linebackers interesting. I do think both Notre Dame guys could be fits. Lufa as well, who was down there. So they're they're definitely guys I, I think are worth watching. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, and that might be that might be the answer to the uh, to the question here, right? Like you, you maybe JD Bertrand does hang around and. He has a high athletic score. Maybe Goody swoops him up a little later. He's projected. I'm sorry. He's currently sitting on the big board at 213. He peaked at 179. So I think it's pretty safe to say it probably falling somewhere between 290 and 200. Or I'm sorry, 190 and 200 on the rankings could be possible there. So that's interesting. And Watson, by the way, from Mississippi State is right next to him. 62244. Man. and he he's a big boy. So if they want, you know, the mic, the same, like they're gonna have big they want a bigger guy out there. Yeah, he could be in that conversation as well. Got it. Now I know you mentioned Peyton Wilson and, and PFF was kind of high on him. They've got Peyton Wilson 69th on their big board. In 2021, his PFF grade was 59.3, only 51 snaps. 2022, he jumped to 639 snaps. His PFF grade was 69.5. And in 2023. 715 snaps, 89.8, the sixth highest graded linebacker. So, yeah, that's that's a, that's good stuff. Love that there. kind of ascension right there. Absolutely. Cornerback, is did anyone else show up other than that? that is not named <laughs> Quinion Mitchell? Because, my God, he controlled oh. everything. Oh, did, man. Let's just talk about him. And I know we, we hit yeah. on earlier in the week, but yeah. this guy's about to skyrocket up the boards, right? I, I think he is. I think he is in serious cornerback one conversation. Really? He he answered the one he answered the one biggest concern everybody had with him this week, maybe two, you could say. The first was you know level of competition, right? Are you you know is there enough competition in the MAC for you to you know kind of you know 
kind of present yourself as like an elite player because you had two elite seasons in a row. Uh, And then after that, it was like, all right, can you play man coverage? That was the other biggest thing because he was he was playing a ton of off coverage. And I know one of my one of my buddies down there asked him about that. And he was like, is that something that Toledo was, you know, were they hiding anything? Did they want you guys in off coverage? And Mitchell was like, no, that's just where I'm comfortable. I like being in off coverage. I can I can get my eyes on the quarterback and what what everything's going on. And then even with just, man, right? Like he yeah. can he can play off and and look at the quarterback through his man out of peripheral and then pick him up in the catch, right? So yep. And and what I think about that is really really impressive is that this is exactly the type player we saw because right you, you can just kind of pick him up and recover as you go. Yeah. Mitchell trusts his recovery athleticism all the time, and he should. And just the level of patience that he can play with. He's not opening the gate too early. He's not falling for any of these, you know, pressure steps or jab steps the guys are throwing out there in the middle of the routes. He's not because he knows, okay, you know, I can recover to the outside, right? If somebody's going to pressure step outside, let the QB make that long throw. I'll get there, Absolutely. right? I'm, I'm going to be able to catch up to you vertically. Like, there's just really nothing that I, I don't think there's anything Mitchell like cannot do. Like, the, the, I think it's him and Arnold right now for cornerback one that those wow. are the two guys. And I think Mitchell is a more patient player than Arnold is right now. And that might even be the difference. Like it's, it's funny. You mentioned patience too, because we had coach Haddad, coach Chris Haddad on, uh, and you know, he's just about 15 minutes outside of Foxborough. And he, he had the opportunity to go to a lot of coaching clinics that uh, Jeff Halfley actually put on. And one of the techniques that Jeff Halfley teaches is, is kind of this, uh, this quick little six inch outside step. And really, they use it to to govern themselves in not committing too soon when playing man coverage and, and more specifically kind of a, a match or I'm sorry, a press or a mirror match press. And, uh, you know, just everything you're, you're, you're talking about with Quinion Mitchell and him being patient and having the athleticism to recover if he is somewhat, you know, quote unquote beat, it really goes hand in hand with uh with what Coach Haddad was talking about and, and how Jeff Halfley's probably going to teach our corners to play this technique of man. And we know Jeff's not going to get caught up in do it my way and no other way. That's sure. one thing that's unique about Coach Halfley is everything I've seen as far as coaching clinics and all that stuff is he is like, look, we're going to try to teach you a certain way, but if you do it better another way, we're not going to change you, that type of approach. So it really sounds like someone like Quinion Mitchell coming in. I didn't mean to cut you off, but that's the first no. thing that came to mind when no. you mentioned that was – that that six inch timing step, that governor, if you will, on the outside, it's going to delay the 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 wide receiver's release because you're not declaring too early. And then the other aspect yep. is by rerouting, you can eliminate what Coach Haddad re- referred to as seventy five percent of the route tree. So, um, really, yeah, and, he, and it's not like he wasn't not playing physical either. Like he's he's you know Ricky Pierce Hall tried. We talked about him a little bit earlier. Got right. him on the ground in a route this week. Like just a, he answered all the questions. If he's there at 25, you do not even hesitate. You walk up there very confidently. You you you, you put that that paper down. You hand that over. You, whatever you call it in. Whatever they do, I don't know. I think it's still the same that they usually do. But like it's 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 not a discussion. It isn't to me at least. Love it. And if he's available. PFF completely agrees. I mean, 2021, 79.7. Check this out, guys. 2022, 92.5. The highest graded corner in college football. 2023, 91.5, the highest graded corner in college football. Just like, I mean, six foot, 196, good size for a corner, like you said. That's a slam dunk, man. He, That's a dude that, like, it it's almost feels like, and I wasn't there, but just seeing Twitter, 
hearing you talk about him the other night, watching the videos of the one one on ones. It was like this dude just shredded up in the house and was like, listen, guys, don't even try. This is this my is, show. This is my week. Yeah. It's not your, it's <laughs> mine. This is mine. Yeah. Anybody else at corner sticks out to you? I know you mentioned uh, Terry and Arnold, obviously, out of Alabama. He's projected to yeah. go number 20 to Pittsburgh. He's 14 on the big board. Any Anything else you want to hit on there? Yeah. I, a couple quick ones. Oh, Kalen King, man. Oh, got to start having a conversation about a. Keely Ringo type of fall here to go from first round projection the year before and, and maybe possibly fall into day three. What happened? I, I know it's, it's just, I know they're not like the cornerbacks. I don't have the advantage here at all, but it, it was such an opportunity for King to kind of do the same thing. Mitchell did is to be like, all right, 2023 was an aberration. I am the guy I was in 22 and it just didn't feel like it was that way. He was just kind of whiffing when he was trying to press. He would get on his heels a little bit, and, and guys were just kind of beating him all week. And I know it's easier to do that as as a receiver. I, I know it is. I understand that. So I'm right. not going to, you know, it just felt like this was a great chance for Kane to come in and prove, like, okay, I am that guy that I was in 22. Don't worry about 23. My best years are ahead of me. It just didn't feel like that happened, and that was that was concerning. I know a couple others though. I know it wasn't. It's not. It's not like the best week for like a lot of you know Green Bay types because a lot of these guys are in the lower 180s. You get a Jarvis Brownlee from Louisville who I thought competed his butt off this week. He's like 183. Uh, Abrams Drain from Missouri, another guy who I thought patient, aggressive when he needed to be, physical. But I believe, I believe he is. He might even be sub. Yeah, 173. I don't Ooh. think that's flying at 1265 Lombardi Avenue, folks. So no. I, I, I just don't think so. Burgers. Yeah, my, I, which stinks. Which Goody, stinks. the first week is going to go. Go up to uh, 1919 Kitchen and Tap and get the elk stroganoff, all right? Right. <laughs> Eat two plates and come back down and talk. Yeah, to right. And then and then when you get come back and talk to me, Tucker Craft's going to drive you to a Culver's, all right? <laughs> We're going to have a nice time. We're going to have a good time out there. But yeah. with a bush latte and a and a lung dart. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's it's tough because there's a there's like the, the Boston College kid did did a nice job this week. Um Elijah Jones, and it's just like he is he's like 182. DJ James, you know, up and down, but you know, an exciting week. He's 170. Like, man, we are just we are struggling. So it's just like, yeah, Max Melton, Kyrie Jackson, two guys who are probably, you know, should be in that consideration to be Packers, but I do. Clayton, get excited. It's Golden Dome time. Oh, no. Okay? We got to talk. We got to talk about uh, about Cam Hart. 6'2 and 7'8's 204. Yes, sir. Ooh, okay. I was up in press. Like, he was, he was physical. He was disrupting routes early and often. He ran a route for Tez Walker this week and picked the ball off. Nice. Right? And so, like, he had a nice week it was it was kind of overshadowed a little bit because of because of mitchell because of some of the other guys who were you know a little bit smaller on the other team kind of showing out a little bit but Hart looked really really impressive i know jackson is where's his six three two oh three big cat as well Whew. um and then of course max melton the quintessential packer right 511193 and and i know drew put that in the comments jair was 51196 so Jair was even a little bit smaller, but he's still, you know, close-ish to 200. Max Melton's kind of right in, in that, in that wheelhouse. So, 
Got it. Got to circle bringing the back, back the Melton brothers together. That would be great. Hey, we got to do it, man. Would love and to again, see that. Max Melton sitting at 95, he peaked at 63. So it's not just the fact that Bo plays for the Packers. Like there's other people that are on this guy. Oh, yeah. Big time. And nice the, the other one you mentioned, Kalen King, just so, so you guys understand, you know, a different a different angle. And like what Jake was mentioning, 2021 PFF grade 66.4, right? 2022, 89.0, the hot, the eighth highest graded corner in the entire, you know, in all of college football. 2023 dipped all the way down to 60.3. And now it sounds like he struggled at the senior bowl week. So, yeah, it's uh, some stock falling there. And you never know, man. Sometimes that's what it takes for a player to kind of shake it off and, and yeah. eat a little humble pie and turn it around, right? Maybe for sure. You just got to wonder. Right, so 2022, who was on the other side, potentially handing all the handling all the wide receiver ones, Joey Porter Jr., mm. right? Maybe Porter Jr. is getting all the big-time assignments, and King's assignments, while still, you know, it's the Big Ten, it's big-time football, right. you know, there's a lot of guys to handle, but That's maybe just wonder that the assignments weren't maybe as difficult, and then he had to kind of step into the, all right, I'm following guys, you know. Put his big boy pants on. Right, and it kind of was like, okay, this is kind of a different level. I. I understand Joey's calling him like, I told you, it's tough, man. It's tough. It's tough, it's tough out there, you know, <laughs> out on an island. And so, like, yeah, I'll hopefully, tell you, they... hopefully he can bounce back. It would be great to see him, you know, if, if he falls to day three and then just comes out and says and, and, and finds it would be really cool. Yeah. I mean, he peaked at 13, but he's sitting at 44, projected to go to the Giants at 47. Obviously, that's before all this information coming out of, out of Senior yeah. Bowl week. Which, so we'll see what happens there. Which, I mean, Senior Bowl week, three days. I know it's not going to move the needle a ton for scouts, but they've already got, you know, the 23 film on there, and they're kind of going, okay, it might have been, you know, a good time for a bounce back, and it just, it just didn't happen. Definitely, definitely. All right, we're going to wrap it up with kicker talk. No, I'm joking. We're going to wrap it up with safety talk. All right, here we go. Some people went, yes, please, kicker. <laughs> Calm yeah, down, all right? Calm down. We're going to give honors <laughs> another need one. <laughs> so safety position, um, I really feel like you got to take two shots in this draft and two shots early. Now, that means Goody won't even draft one. That's usually how that goes <laughs> when I project stuff. But, yeah, obviously, you guys know I'm big on Tyler Newbin. He wasn't at, at, you know, at Senior Bowl week. Kinchins was. He's the top safety, obviously, going into the draft. Talk to me about the safeties, man. Let's just go down the line here. Jake, what, do you, what did you see down there, bro? Yeah, I think Kinchins, it was a little up and down. They were asking him to do a lot of stuff in man coverage. Not really his, his skill set. But there was enough movement skills, I think, at times where, you know, you kind of saw the vision with that and was like, all right, yeah, he can kind of handle himself. There are other times where he's just kind of getting beat and it's it's tougher, right? He's going up against the tight ends. They're bigger than him. Jaheim Bell was, you know, a guy that at Florida State went to South Carolina first. And at South Carolina, they were giving him jet sweeps. Why? Well, because he's super fast. So that's it's a t- Jaheim Bell was a tough assignment for everybody because he's so fast. And so like for Kitchens, you know, man coverage, that's probably not where we're going to be you know operating a ton um in the league and he he's got a ton of range he's got a ton of upside he hits hard right i think it's just about to me it's the ceiling is really high we got to build some consistency and he's a younger player right he's a junior uh newbin's a senior i believe he might be even fifth year newbin is um he's at least newbin Newbin was a senior didn't go to the senior bowl kinchins was a junior and he went to the senior bowl yeah so this is the first year that yeah the juniors got to got some invites and so that was pretty exciting but yeah i mean the the newbin kinchins discussion is gonna it's gonna ring for about you know 
12 more weeks about like, all right, which one should it be? Which one should it be? Is it going to be the classic, okay, Goody's swinging for the fence with the kitchens because he believes in the upside? Or is Goody going to finally be like, all right, we need to hit this double right here in the second round. Let's go get Tyler Newman. It's going it. to be a fascinating discussion. Obviously, the, the, the big board hasn't projected to Green Bay 31. Newman sounds great to me. We can do that. But like Kitchens, yeah, it's it's Donald put this down there. He's an upside pick. That's that's really where we're at right now. There aren't a lot of true single high players in the league. Kinchins could be one of them. And that's important for Halfley potentially doing some middle field close stuff. So I'll tell you what I like, man. I like what we did the other night here. <laughs> 41 Kinchins, 58. Pretty good. Lock it Looks in. Pretty man. good. Lock Peyton Wilson, Max Melton. There they all like, are. Man. We that's know what we I'm talking about. Senior week. Yeah. We knew who was we knew who was breaking out. Absolutely. Right. So one more name, one more name to drop for this because I think it's a it's a good one because you said you mentioned like okay could we take two swings maybe one's a little bit later, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, Bo Bray didn't practice um, all week and didn't play in the game. That's the guy who kind of dropped into the box, looked good, processing was nice. He's hitting. He's he's he wants to play physical football, but you might not be limiting his position at all. He might be able to do a lot of different things. Could he play single high? Probably not. Uh, but if he's in, if we're in split field, and that's a lot of the same things as Newman, right? It's kind of like okay, the vision is there. If we can play more split field stuff that that Green Bay's done right. um, in recent years, but Keaton Oladapo from Oregon State, holy smokes, six two two nineteen, and he can cover and he can hit. And um, yeah, wait a little further down the board there, but you know, yeah. really, really had the type of like ascension you like to see, like working on the coverage technique, the pedal, all that stuff. And just looked like things were clicking uh, for him uh, throughout the week. So I think Oladapo is definitely one to watch. Good stuff. And I'm trying to gather as much information on Jeff Hapley as I can, um, yeah. obviously. So what I'm coming away with, Jake, is Coach Hapley is going to bring a single high approach. It's probably going to be from the vein of a Robert Sala type defense. So you're going to see what we're seeing is definitely more man coverage, although – like I've been trying to curb the enthusiasm. Don't expect to see right. this ungodly amount of man coverage. And to put it in perspective, like we mentioned on Good Morning Lambo, yeah. the Atlanta Falcons ran the most man coverage of anyone last uh, last year, right? This 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 past year here, they ran man, man coverage more than anyone in the league, and they ran it forty percent of the time. So where did where did the Packers come in? They ran man coverage twenty three percent of the time. Okay. Yeah. So I, what I'm expecting, I was kind of talking to Ryan with this offline. If I were to project and you say, hey, you've got you've to bet the farm on it, what percentage do you think of man coverage? I don't think they're going to take this massive jump and go, we're just going to go 40% man, right? Um, I think you're probably going to see somewhere between 30 to 35% man would be a good guesstimate for me. You're going to see plenty of zone. You heard him talk about they like to play too high in the college game because of the mobile quarterbacks. So at the pro level, he kind of hinted at, and this was a – interview while he was at Boston College. This is before he took the job. So it's not like he's he's worried about tipping hands. He didn't he didn't know he was going to be the DC in Green Bay when he had this interview. So I think what you're going to see is a lot of a lot of cover one man. You're going to see a lot of five man pressure uh, the majority of the time. You'll see some six as well. You'll see some exotic mugging up front, which is exciting. We've seen a little bit of that with Joe last year. I don't think we've seen nothing to the level we'll see with Halfley. But for the most part, he just likes to line that safety up in the middle of the field and go, all right, we're in single high, whether it's cover one man or it's cover three match, 
whatever it is. We're going to show we're in cover one, and we're going to get our guys in position pre-snap as where Joe Barry was trying to show shell, spin out of it, and guys were, as Mike Wall says, you know, how you arrive at confrontation determines how you handle confrontation. They were arriving off balance, and probably I I love that aspect. I think that will help the run defense a bit. But when you look at those safeties we just talked about, Kenshin's, Newbins, and is it Aladipo? Is that right? Yeah. Uh, which one of those do you think would be best suited to play that center field if we are cover one man as well as playing that, you know, that deep third, middle third in a cover three zone match? It's Kenshin's. Kenshin's all, all day. It's Kenshin's it. all day. That's what I'm and, doing. And there's, a, there's a chance that Newbin can do it. Mm-hmm. It's just I think Newbin's going to be more comfortable having eyes on half the field and be able to, you know, bolt to the ball, read the quarterback's eyes, and also then, you know, fill from depth as a as a run defender. He just see he just screams like, okay, this is exactly the player like Joe Barry would have liked to have in his defense. Got it. And somebody that Barry and 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 Goody may have, you know, talked to each other about. In, in another, you know, another parallel universe, you know, in a, in a few weeks, they'll be talking about it. Right. And, and they'll, it'll be like, okay, yeah, this guy just, just kind of everything, you know, I can spin out of some coverages. He can, he can maybe drop in the box and tack a little bit too. And so it, it would give him, you know, a player that could, you know, be deployed in the system. And it just might not sound exactly like the player that, that halfly envisions to have on his team. And, and maybe they go with Kinchins on the center field. And I know what well, Antonio brought him up, you know, Cole Bishop, maybe he's the maybe he's the um kind of the box guy that that they want to have there who can do some linebacker stuff, tackles, you know, exceptionally, exceptionally well. And he, he was down there at Senior Bowl week. He didn't like jump out a ton, but he also didn't like there was nothing where it was like, Oh, this is poor or anything like that. Just kind of steady eddied the week. Um, but the film, you know, tells a pretty good story about what he can do. So got it. It's, so it'll be interesting. The safety conversation is going to be one that I'm sure we're going to be having a ton uh, in the next 12 weeks of like, all right, who's it going to be? What's it? How much is the safety pick going to, you know, kind of just basically paint what the, the what the picture uh, that 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 Halfley is painting? I think it's going to be the finishing touch to a picture and we're going to get, you know, a really good idea. Yeah, I feel comfortable saying we're going to be a nickel the large majority of the time, which most teams are, right? Yeah. So if that's the case, one other thing that I noticed on tape so far, and, I, and I'm, I'm digging into the BC tape, I'm really not touching the Ohio State tape because I'm getting so many answers from different people that, you know, he ran the entire show to, you know, I've got Ohio State fans who have told me he didn't call plays. It was the other guy. So it's like I'm, I'm tired of trying to figure it out. I'm focused on yeah. BC. I'm going back and sure. looking at Sala last year. And I think what you're going to see when you're in man coverage, he likes to fire those those three three cat blitzes where you've got three over the top, three underneath with the cat, the nickel firing. If that's the case, that opposite safety is going to have to come down and play some some match principle, play some man coverage at times. So um, I, I don't know if that's Newbin or not. Again, I'm big on Newbin, no. but uh, it, it everyone other than me is saying Kinchins is your guy for that deep safety. So. I've got yeah. to lower the ego and go, all right, let's just go. I, right so. I, I'm with you. I think I, I 100% think Newbin's the better player. I, I don't, I think right. I'm on that train now. I finished up the Kinchin stuff. I know Donald said he, pro, Jake Prowse is Kinchin's videos coming out Monday. It yeah, is. Yeah, I was going to put that up here. Promise. Yeah. Promise. Promise. We're, we're there. It's, it's, it's loaded and ready to go for Monday. That's, but I, that's when people are on YouTube a lot is on Monday. I'm not as much Sunday. Anyway, not to get into that whole thing, but like, 
<laughs> Newbin's the better player right now. There's no question. Like everything that he can do at the safety position, it's just it is going to legitimately for Green Bay come down to who's the best fit for Halfley, you know, for Halfley's vision. And right now, everything that that Clayton you you kind of talked about in the chalk talk a lot, you know, and and we kind of heard from from the coach this morning. It just seems like they're going to be in, you know, the middle field closed is where they're going to operate. Right. And I'm just not I'm not entirely sure Newbin can do it. Mm-hmm. I, I Kinchins has proven to, you know, from middle field to the boundary is like can make plays in that in that regard. It is it's tough to find those guys. And so right. when you see one of those, it's kind of like we better pounce, right? Because Je- that's why Jesse Bates is getting a ton of money in Atlanta right oh, now. Yes. Because he you, you've seen the type of range that he has. And when he has instincts to boot, like goodness sakes, like we are just we're swooning over here watching the guy play. So if like Kinchins can develop those type of instincts. Man, we got a player. It, so it's it is it's a tough it's a tough call. And Drew says it, Drew says it perfectly. Like Newbin relies on the instinct, and that's what makes him so effective. Is because you know when the athletic testing is going to come in in you know a month or so, they're going to people might be like, oh, what's this? This isn't like the best that I've seen. And then Newbin's right. just going to go do what Branch did or something, right? Not necessarily the same position, but just go dominate. People are like, well. You know, what is there to say? <laughs> what, what, what happened? We should have taken yeah. him earlier. And that's that's what's going to happen. And so, like, that's the other thing. Like, Kinchin's running and Kinchin's jumping and doing all these things. Like, the athletic score, I think that Goody, I know it's not the same one that we kind of refer to a lot probably. Maybe it is. Right, right. Goody just wants to, you know, act like he's got a nice little system up there. But, like, <laughs> we, we, we'll we never know. But, you don't like, want to, to check the math bombs, what it is. Yeah, <laughs> right. They're going to they're gonna check it out. Um. But like Kinchins is probably going to come in as like the better athlete, and so then we have that conversation of like, what does Goody like at the safety position? Athletes, Kinchins a little bit higher on the list. Like that's, it's, it's going to be, uh, it's fun. That's what makes the draft so interesting. You got to fit, and, and that's what makes I think this off season for Green Bay so interesting because now it's like, okay, what personnel stuff is going to be tweaked here, and like, how does that affect the draft? It's going to be, it's exciting. We're, we're not I would love to, to be a fly on the wall with Goody, right? Floor. And halfly when they sit down and go, all right, where's where do we want to safety? I would love yes, to hear that conversation because yes, yes. he he may come in and do something totally opposite. You know what I mean? We we might look up yeah. and go, what in the world were we thinking? We're idiots, right? So wait a minute, Halfley's running Barry's defense. What's going yeah. on? What was this? I was really? told middle field closed. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, um, you know again, I yeah. it's what an off season, man. Yeah. The the fans have been awesome. Viewers, listeners, feedback. It's like everyone is – I know we lost in the playoffs, right? And you, yeah. no matter how you look at it, you're ending on a quote-unquote negative note. But it was like five minutes later, everybody's like, man, let's get into this offseason. It's right. exciting. Man. It's right. exciting. Yeah. And you got to give – that's where you've got to tip your cap to Goody and go, that Jordan Love pick is the reason we are here right now. Like he laid it all out there, everything. Yes, absolutely. W, w for Goody right there. That's it. Yeah. Don't care about the rest of that 2020 draft. Who cares? Doesn't matter. Got the QB. And, and miss on everything else if you want. Openly comes out in the presser and says, yeah, we're going to be talking to his uh, his representation about getting that. Con- I'm just like, yes, yeah. let's, let's get it. Let's, go. let's yeah. go. Make that contract long, too, so we have a little bit of flexibility. That's the other thing, too, Jake's like, we got some, we got some money. It doesn't look like it right now, but you've got, you know, the next yeah, anywhere from around. 50 to 80 million that you can free up like that. And yeah. it, we're not talking about like 
they're not going to get nowhere near the 80. But if you've got 50 real easily restructured, you're, you're definitely looking at 35 to 40 million. So they may make a little bit of a, a little bargain deal here, a bargain deal there in free sure. agency, get your safety of the future. And, uh, and I'm yeah. excited. Dude. It's going to be awesome. I, I, how can you not be? Yeah. It's yeah. young team ascending about to add a lot more young talent to the roster, you know, patch some holes in free agency. I mean, yeah, no doubt. Buckle up folks. <laughs> Buckle up. We went for an hour and 40 minutes and Jake, I can't thank you enough, man, yeah, for, man. Uh, for hanging out right. this long, dude. This was absolutely awesome. Um, I've got a ton of notes and these are, these are, I want to say, I don't want to say congratulations. It's egotistical. I just want to let you know that there is now an official modifier in my draft board for what Jake Shavink thinks about prospects. <laughs> and it's, it's exciting. And I didn't do it last year because we didn't yeah. know each other from Adam. Right. But this year it's like, yeah, I'm trusting Jake's opinion. There's going to be a modifier in there where we go, all right, he's going to have some input on my draft board. There's going to be some shifting taking place based off of your experience, your knowledge. And I just love the way you communicate, man, everything you do. So glad we're on the same team. All I got to say. Yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, Shows like this are really fun where you can get together and just chop it up for a while. And that's, 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 what's really exciting. That's what's really nice about, you know, the, all the platforms we have today to be able to do this, which is, which is great. So I can't wait to do this again. Absolutely. Very, very soon. Of course. Definitely. You guys scan the QR code in the upper right. If you're watching this on YouTube and going, man, I like to listen to stuff on the go. Um, You can scan that QR code. It'll send you directly to Packernet podcast network on pretty much every, anywhere you get your podcast. We got all the all the platforms covered. You can find Jake Shavink's It's Always Draft Season podcast. Absolutely phenomenal content. You can find Ryan Schlipp's Packernet podcast, um, as well as Packernet After Dark, the show where you listeners can call in, leave a voicemail, and Ryan will play it over the air as long as it's not inappropriate. And uh, <laughs> answer your question or respond to your comments. It's a really it's my favorite podcast uh, every day. I absolutely look forward to it. So um, go check that out, gang. Also, make sure you hop over to Jake Shavink's uh, YouTube channel. Give him a sub. Um, Going to be way better content over there this time of year than, than I'll ever put out when it comes to draft coverage. So, Jake, again, thank you so much, buddy. Appreciate your time. Um, what I'll also do if you're if you're wanting it, we'll get this downloaded in video form so you can throw it on your channel as well. That sure. way your viewers that, that don't want to fool with us can check it out <laughs> and get all the information you just shared. So I'm, I'm always positive I have more viewers over there because of – your show here clayton so this is no, uh, it's very helpful oh no no i i recognize plenty of these names over here that have popped over there uh because of that so i really appreciate I, I apologize because i guarantee you they're causing trouble over there so it's it's probably gotten no, way more unprofessional we that's our do. fault we have they, completely they molded these job. people into yeah it's the chat sometimes Good we time. get off the rails man we can't it all i'm they in do. the middle of something serious and both Emilio and Jacobs like this because someone says something like that. It's completely derailed. <laughs> so. uh, yeah. Anyway, we appreciate hey, you. We know that derailed happens. That happens always too. So it's you absolutely, know, it absolutely. Give a special shout out to United Bates, always being a blessing. He gifted five Packer fan total access membership yeah, to uh, loyal listeners. That'll get you guys entered into so, the contest. We're going to be doing a drawing real soon for an autographed rookie Jaden Reed card. Really? Oh really yes. And now ironically, or coincidentally, I should say was actually donated by United Bates, just always given. So uh, really, really cool. Yeah. So I've I've created a couple fake accounts, you know, uh, so I can try to get my (laughs) non-show. 
So anyway, we're out of here, guys. Appreciate everybody hanging out with us again. Jake, thank you. Uh, for those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go back. Go. The power sweep. Actually, it's the, it's the lead play in our, in our offense. Yes, a YN or a tight end to open up somewhere between six feet and nine feet. Get an isolation with the, with the linebacker. Tell the tackle to take the defensive end if he's over him. If he's not, to drive down on the first man to his inside. If the YN has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. If the YN has the linebacker here, he comes all the way around. Look at this play when we're trying to get it. A seal here and a seal here. And try to run this play in the alley. 